here's the thing. Ever wonder why aspiring authors spend so much time trying to crack the code about how to get published? That's because no one who's in the daily grind like me has put all the pieces together in one place. It's Carly Waters here, and as your senior literary agent on the podcast with 15 years of experience in publishing, selling books, and teaching the business of publishing, I'm here to give you the clarity that will turn this hobby into a career. Inside my course, The Author's Publishing Playbook, we have monthly live Q&A sessions to cover your specific issues, but for the rest, there are over 40 video lessons that equal 10 hours of learning with professionally edited transcripts. The course will solve all your writerly problems, except write your book for you. That's on you. My course is a masterclass designed to teach writers how to prepare, pitch, publish, and promote their book in today's competitive publishing landscape. It's for career-driven writers, aspiring and published, who want to understand how to succeed in the business of books. There are over 20 worksheets, downloads, and plug-and-play templates for editing, querying, and marketing. You get lifetime access for the entire six-module course as soon as you purchase. As new content's added, you have access to that as well. Don't forget, there's a mobile app on top of computer access you can learn on the go. Get started today to gain the career you've only dreamed about. And you guys get a discount. So at checkout, carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. That's carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. See you inside the course. Hi, everyone. This is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there. there and welcome to our show, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. I'm Bianca Murray and I'm joined by Carly Waters and Cece Lira from PS Literary Agency. Hi everyone, it's my pleasure today to welcome Andrew Wall of Craft Better Books. You will remember from quite a few episodes ago, I had Andrew's wife Katie on the show. They work together and it's a wonderful team offering 360 degree services, which is why I wanted to have Andrew on as well. He specializes in world building. Every time I try and tackle fantasy or science fiction or dystopian fiction, that's the thing that really gets to me is the amount of world building that's required. So firstly, Andrew, welcome to the show. It's lovely having you on. Thank you, Bianca. Great to be on. All right. So let's talk about world building. And before we go into all of that and the difference between that and setting, etc., why don't you tell us how you got into this in the first place? It was a long road, but it really started in college. My roommate got 
me playing Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. And pretty soon after that, I wanted to try being a DM myself. And I wanted to make my own setting because that felt only right. If I was going to tell my own story, I should have my own setting that is taking in. And then kind of exploring that for the first time is what really got me hooked. I mean, I'd always been an avid reader of fantasy and uh, in science fiction. So it was just something just clicked with it. And I, uh, I loved it. I was a history and uh, biblical studies major in an undergrad and all of that kind of stuff just kind of fed in to this growing obsession <laughs> with world building. Yeah, I can't believe that because I mean, history, you know, you need to be able to make history come alive to really take an interest in history. If it just kind of reads like a textbook, there's very little in there to really pull a person in. And I feel like my friends who love history and who've always been fascinated by it are able to imagine it in a way that other people aren't. You know, they don't just see it as these things that are dates you have to remember. They really see it playing out very vividly. And I think that is what fuels so much of their interest in it. So that's probably what stood you in good stead there as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the study of history is just the stepping into different worlds. It just happens to be different time periods within our own world. Yeah, absolutely. Go time travel. If anybody's out there Woo-hoo. coming up with a time travel <laughs> machine, we're interested. Okay, let's discuss the difference between a story's world and its setting, right? So just break that down for us. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that trips writers up, especially writers that are just getting started, is this distinction between the world and the setting. Uh, often what leads to the info dumping and uh, and all of that, that, all those kinds of pitfalls that come with the trade is uh, this misunderstanding of the difference between uh, between world building and setting building. The setting is a tiny slice of the pie. It's the smallest piece that you can serve up to somebody at a given time. If you give someone a whole pie and say, here's dessert after they eat a whole meal, they're not going to be able to digest all of it. You give them a small amount because that's all that's really appetizing. So setting is has these constraints of location and time upon it, whereas the, your story's world doesn't. So expands far beyond the location and time constraints of your setting, um, which is where your story is happening, to everything around that in time, on your timeline of events, and before and sometimes after, depending how into the planning you get. And then also the countries and other uh, cultures and everything that are around where your story is taking place that may not directly factor into your story at all, but have subtle influences, make references to can make your story world feel much larger and compelling than just where it's happening. The stories don't happen in isolation. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even for those of us who don't write fantasy, etc., there is some degree of world building that needs to happen in our fiction in terms of not just the setting and time. And of course, that's incredibly important. So when you write a book, you have to make it clear for your reader where this book is set, what the customs of this place are like. And even if it's a tiny little town in Indiana, the way they do things there is going to be different to a tiny little town in, you know, 
California, for example. And these are the kind of things that you need to immerse your reader in because they need to understand how this world works in terms of what are the norms, what's allowed, what's not allowed, what are the things that are going to get the neighbors gossiping, what are the things that are greatly <laughs> frowned upon that could get you kind of expelled from society what kind of behaviors and things are expected. So this isn't just, you know, for those of you who aren't writing fantasy, don't be like, oh, this isn't something I need to pay attention to because certainly to some degree or the other, it is something that you are going to have to pay attention to. So you have a five phase framework for world building. Let's get into that. Okay. So this is something that after taking numerous stabs at world building myself and creating a handful of worlds I was actually satisfied with, I wanted to come up with a little bit more of a systematic process for approaching it. Because I think a lot of times people start with kind of whatever they're most excited about, be that the culture or they had a really cool idea for a magic system. And so they're going to start with like developing all of that. And, and that's not necessarily wrong because <laughs> there isn't an exact right place to start. But I think after starting, there is, well, I, I like my approach. And I think that it is a good way to systematically kind of go through and establish this kind of interconnected web of relationships. That's really what makes up a world. Um, it's not just a bunch of locations and a bunch of notes on culture just kind of tacked to a map. It's a whole bunch of interconnectedness and a relatedness and um, cause and effect that plays out across many, many people's lives, whether fictional or not. Anyway, my first uh, first phase is what I call laying the foundation. This is just getting all the set pieces together, figuring out what's absolutely in and absolutely you're not going to include. Setting some very basic ground rules uh, for yourself and your world building process. And then coming up with, you know, if, if you have a fictional world, coming up with the rules that govern the world. So if this is a science fiction, what's gravity like? What's the air composition? Do people need something to aid them to breathe? You know, that that kind of such. And then also like how many sentient species are there? What are the natural resources in the important resources that people are going to need to utilize? Uh, and kind of the crowning moment of this is working out if you're including magic, what that looks like, and then technology, what that looks like. And those two things, I think, have a little bit of an interconnected relationship in how they, because they occupy the same kind of space, um, storytelling wise. Yeah, no. And in terms of this, do you recommend that the creator come up with all of this before they start figuring out who their characters and what their plot is? Or is it on like a need to know basis? So for me, for example, I'm I'm mm -hmm. busy on a book that for me is fantasy, which I've never mm -hmm. written before, but it's in the real world, but most of it takes place in this huge sprawling manner. Um, mm -hmm. And so I try to dive into the story and then I realized that I need floor plans for this manner <laughs> because 90% of the story takes place in the manner. And if I don't know if someone's turning left or right or going up to the second or third floor to go to this particular room, the whole thing's 
everything's going to fall mm-hmm. apart. And so I had to go back to basics, sit down, get the floor plans drawn up, etc. But then there were other things that I wrote. And it's only once I got there that I was like, oh, shit, what kind of magic is happening here? So, <laughs> so obviously, my way of working it is not the best way to do it. So how do you recommend, you know, they go about yeah, this? Yeah, I think there's, it's kind of like a chicken and egg question in, in some ways, because it's kind of hard to create a world if you don't have any idea what kind of story you want to write. That being said, you can. I do it all the time just for fun. But uh, having a story idea can actually be really inspiring for world building. But I would recommend after capturing like, ooh, that would be a really cool story idea and writing that down and kind of getting a little bit of the idea fleshed out, I would recommend doing world building first for a couple of reasons. One, you don't have to stop when you're doing your writing and go, oh, I need to figure that out. Because you might have been like building momentum and oh, dang it. And then that interrupts your flow. And no one likes that. That's that's probably one of the most frustrating things about world building is if you don't take care of at least hitting some key points uh, ahead of time is you're constantly stopping to hash something out and then you come back and you're like, all right, where was I? And that can be hard to work up that motivation again. And then secondly, when we world build, it actually helps us flesh out and understand the stories that we want to tell better. And if you don't have a story idea, it'll, I think story is an emergent thing from the world that you set up. Just like when I leave after this interview, I'm going to go and hang out with my kids. Something's going to happen by nature of the fact that we're related to each other. We're living in the place that we're living in the culture that we're living in. And so things are going to work out in a, in a certain way, uh, given our personalities and, and such. And the same thing happens with world building and story. When you do world building, you're going to have too much story to include in a single book when you're done because of all the potential of how things in your world can interact and our task as world builders to understand how that then works and explore that and tease it out a little bit. And that ends up creating plot flows and stuff kind of naturally. It becomes a lot less of a, all right, what's going to happen next? Because you understand what would happen next if this plot point happens, then this is how objects A, B, and C are going to react. Yeah, absolutely. We just registered my youngest kid for kindergarten. I cannot believe it. One of the tricky things about my kids being in French immersion school and not having French as a language myself is I'm honestly worried about how I'm going to assist with homework as they get bigger. They're young now, but I see it coming. We are honestly so lucky, though, to live in a city that's bilingual and we have bilingual friends and francophone friends. So I know it's going to be easy for our kids to pick it up. Me, on the other hand, I am worried about me. I grew up somewhere where French class was not taken seriously, and now I have to make up the difference. And that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app, it really immerses you in the language you want to learn. Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion, which is a proven way to learn a language. Instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills to fast track your ability to communicate fluently. There are no English translations in the product. You're honestly getting trained to listen, speak, read, write, and think in your new language, which is what everybody wants. 
Rosetta Stone users especially love the speech recognition feature. As you practice speaking, Rosetta Stone uses advanced voice recognition technology to match your audio to audio from native speakers and then give you feedback on how well you're pronunciating the words so you can really hone those pronunciations. It offers 25 languages from Spanish, French, Italian, German, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, even Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. This is the best language program because they have been an expert in the language learning field for 30 years and used by millions. Thousands of companies and government organizations use Rosetta Stone to support language training online. Of all the apps, Rosetta Stone uses the best speech recognition technology, so it compares your sound waves to those of a native speaker for better feedback to improve. They have a patented speech recognition engine called True Accent, which is built into the program. As you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. The other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said, but Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it compared to native speakers. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Think about the cost of a one-month language course. Think about the cost of one-hour private tutoring sessions. With Rosetta Stone, you enjoy lifetime membership and accessibility on desktop or app. We have a special offer for you guys. That's 50% off. That's a lifetime access to 25 language courses on Rosetta Stone for 50% off. This is a steal. Do not put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the shit no one tells you about writing listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That We want you guys to go visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Are you looking for beta readers, some of whom might potentially become writing group members down the line? Are you wanting to be matched up with those writing in a similar genre or time zone so they can critique your work as you critique theirs at the same time? Your manuscript doesn't have to be complete to sign up for this 3,000 word evaluation. This particular matchup will be open to registrations from now until the 2nd of June, with the matchup emails going out on the 3rd of June. For more information and to register, go to biancamaray.com, look for the beta reader matchup page, and please spread the word the more writers we have signed up the better the matches will be so in terms of what what you said there about there's going to be so much more that's going to be in one book and I feel like this is how I tell my students to approach characterization and to view Mm. characterization as what is on the page is the tip of the iceberg but everything you know is below the surface and that's never going to be on the page but it's something you as the author knows which makes their behavior and everything else so authentic and I feel like what you're saying about world building is the same you know what's going to actually be on the page is the tip of that iceberg but the author knows this world so well that Mm -hmm. you know that informs everything else that may not even end up on the page. Absolutely. I think that's actually a wonderful comparison because our world, even though it's made up of many, 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 many characters, does have that kind of a aspect about it. It has its own personality. It has its own flavor. It has certain rules and ways that things are going to function. It's a system in a lot of ways. Yeah, very much. Okay, so I interrupted you. You got to the first one layer, which was <laughs> the foundation, right? Let's move yep. on from that was number one. <laughs> then we move on from there in the rest of the five steps. Another important part of the first phase is making a map. I highly recommend making a map. Your map will probably never be published. That's okay. Make a map. It's good to have a visual representation of what you're creating. It's just going to make it feel more real. And just like you needed floor plans, for the manor, having the map, it, it helps you just 
understand and visualize things a lot better. And and can you recommend some some software there? I know I stumbled on something called World Anvil, which mm-hmm. is, you know, online software and stuff. And it allows for maps to be uploaded and all kinds of rules on the world to be put yeah. in there. Are there certain bits of software that you recommend that people can go onto in order to help create their world? Or is it just a case of sitting with pen and paper and that's how you do it? I don't think there's really any right way. Pen and paper works great. The only problem with pen and paper is you're going to end up with a giant binder of notes. So uh, doing things digitally has definitely has an appeal. Something like World Anvil is a wonderful resource just because of how you can organize information and connect all that to the map. I personally really like a piece of online software called Inkcarnate. So that's I-N-K-A-R-N-A-T-E, incarnate, for a couple of reasons. One, I like starting with the map sometimes, and they have a world generation feature where you just hit a button, and it just, after you set, like, what percentage of the map you want to be ocean, and it'll just generate continents and land masses. And then you can kind of, like, alter those. And so that's fun to play around with if you don't have, like, a vision for what your map's going to look like. And then two, it has this delightful tool, a note function where you can pin notes to various areas of the map. And those notes can be as long as you want. So I end up doing a lot of my world being just right in incarnate where I say like, I do like a whole note thing for, you know, like city details and then culture and society information. You can just have all these different pins just all over your map with all these different notes written down. It's super, I think it's really handy, but it, it makes map building really easy. There's a lot of really handy tools that come with it. And best part, you can use most of its core functionality for free, which is a super great bonus, especially for for writers just getting started. And then if you want to upgrade to pro, it's only $27 a year, which is also super, super cheap. I think World Anvil Um, also has some basic sort of free stuff that you can use as well. And then when you upgrade, mm -hmm. I think it's like $50 or something as well. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously for the listeners, before you, you know, be paying for them, play around with the functionality, make sure that it's something that's working for you, et cetera. And then, you know, once you, you know, it's going to help you, then you lay out the money for it. Absolutely. Okay. What else in terms of those five steps? Yeah. So that was Phase one, phase two is just putting some key locations on your map, thinking through what, where makes sense for like a a city to be, not coming up with any information about the city yet, just identifying some key points on the map, like again, key cities, what may be capital cities, or if you're doing sci-fi and you have like a solar system of scope, uh, key outposts or, um, or something like that. And then you have destinations that people really want to visit for whatever reason, could be any reason. I call them tourist traps, uh, putting tourist traps on your map and then also hazard zones. So people that places that people avoid. So just kind of mapping that out. So you get in just shaping kind of the contours of your map a little bit. And phase two is really short. Phase three is creating context, which is think, trying to think through, start thinking through a timeline of events, whether you start with like in the beginning, whatever, and, and then, and then, and then, and then, and working through a timeline that way up until your story. That's a perfectly good way of doing it. There's this delightful little game called Microscope that approach it, that's 
just a game about building worlds as a group and it has rules for doing it's really fun i recommend it it has you establish a beginning point and an end point and determine whether those are positive or negative points and then you just kind of randomly fill in events as you go and i actually really like that model because you know like oh it'd be really cool if like this kind of an event happened it's and you, you, it's your first point and then you can place if that happened, then this might happen and this might have preceded that. And then you can kind of just work your way through it logically. And, and, and just on that, that's another reason why knowing story structure is so important when you're approaching fiction, because if you know mm. story structure, you know, you need an inciting event followed by a key event. And then you need these stakes upped all the time as you go through certain action beats or beats, story beats, should I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you know that you need something big happening, that'll be a catalyst to something else. That certainly helps you in terms of what Andrew was just saying, figuring mm-hmm. out what cool things are going to happen at what point and how that affects the world and therefore on a micro level how it's going to affect those characters so if there was a tsunami for example Mm -hmm. preceded by an earthquake or whatever then all of the people on your coastal towns will have to be fleeing for their lives as they run away from that and that is high stakes it's conflict with nature it's all kinds of things that can inform your story as well so kind of try and view the two of them together even if that's some an event, the earthquake and tsunami, for uh, just use that example, even if that's an event that happened 25 years before your story starts, it's going to have lasting impacts on your characters, on the, on the people that your protagonist interacts with, on their parents who probably were alive for that or if they weren't. And so you have this it allows it planning out a timeline events allows you to really uh, start laying that three dimensional feel for your world because there are consequences when things happen. Right. Whether those were intended or unintended. Yeah, it almost becomes a part of the world's mythology. So it's the day mm-hmm. that like 90% of the town died, you know, which means yeah. this story is going to be passed down for a long time. It's got far-reaching consequences. So you could have an mm-hmm. eight-year-old character who wasn't there when this thing happened, but will always have this fear of an approaching wall of water based on what they have heard from the past, which could inform the character's decision-making. It can inform their psychology, mm-hmm. all kinds of things, you know, on a, on a much smaller level. Absolutely. Which is why I would recommend doing character building after you do world building, because after you have all this planned, then you can go, okay, well, what would a person that grew up at this point on the timeline in this culture look like? Just on that, Andrew, before we move on, would you recommend that people do kind of what George R.R. Martin did in terms of Game of Thrones in that so much of it was based on actual world history was, you know, in four, certainly a lot of it was influenced by it in terms of the regions and the wars that happened, etc.? Do you think right. that's kind of easier for people to manage or do you think it's easier to just make stuff up completely from scratch? I think it depends on the writer and what their inclination is, honestly, because I think that like that's a really legitimate approach. It's obviously worked really well for George R. R. Martin and it can work really well for anybody today. Find an interesting niche of history and around collection of countries and just kind of massage it a little bit and take the bones of it into your world can can work really well as a as a model of how certain kinds of tensions and conflicts and alliances and stuff can play out. I personally like 
coming up with everything from scratch. For uh, one, because I think it allows for uh, a lot, a lot more flexibility in uh, in what you want to do, and I think writers need to trust their own creativity in some ways. Now, yeah. when it comes to a certain point, it may just not world building just might not be your thing. <laughs> and you want to have a little bit more of uh, scaffolding to to work off of. And if that's you, that's fine. Do yes. what works for you. So certainly people's processes will definitely be different. Okay, what are phases four and five? Phase four, you're doing socio-political mapping, working out economics, politics, and power. And all this really is, is uh, economics is understanding how country, how different nation states, countries, kingdoms, whatever, how they relate to each other and how people inside of it get what they need. And then politics is how people govern themselves and power is how different groups of people within your world relate to each other and uh, just understanding those power dynamics and stuff like that. Uh, So this phase could take you a really, really long time because there's a lot there to dig into. And then phase five is what everyone really, maybe not everyone, but with a lot of people, when they think about world building, they think about phases four and five. And phase five is actually fleshing out the culture, art, you know, customs. I I have a portion of it that I call history, which isn't a chronology like you've already done. That's the stories that people tell about events that happened in the past, that mythology piece that, uh, that you said, whether it's it was a bad earthquake that caused a tsunami or it was an earth shattering rending event. And it was that, or if there's a war between two people, one side's going to tell a different story about that war than the other. It was a, it was an invasion. Or angering the gods. It was some God that then was angry and that led to that, you know? So it also depends on how they, they view religion and all these kinds of things as well. Cause that'll change. Which is another part of phase five. Right. That'll (laughs) change how they interpret certain events. Absolutely. So phase five in a lot of ways, because you're working out a lot of how they do their own, the cultures do their own storytelling around themselves, around other people groups, around why things happened. You're going to work back into into other the other phases a lot, just kind of wrap everything together. And that's pretty much it. I would say that there's a, a phase six that isn't officially a part of this, where after you're done world building, then you get to go looking for where story is naturally occurring in the world. And that's a good step towards finding where your setting is going to be. And I would dare say that's often where the most conflict is happening. Because remember, story is about conflict and there's all different kinds of conflict. It's, you know, not just man against man in terms of one character against another. It could be man Mm -hmm. against nature, man against science, man against all, all different kinds of things. And generally story is where conflict is. So probably where you've created the most conflict is where the most uh, interesting story is going to be. Now, Andrew, in terms of you have resources for writers who are interested in world building. So could you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first the first thing I would mention would be I do one-on-one consultations for world building. Uh, I work with people some I haven't had many people who are just getting started, but usually people run into a snag like I'm working on my magic system and I have all these elements and I just, I'm having a hard time fitting it all together (laughs) and making it work or uh, working through politics and, uh, and stuff like that. So I I help fine tune or troubleshoot and 
uh, and such like that. So that's one world building resource that we have. Uh, we just released a mini course that's kind of a crash course on this five-phase framework we call One Month World Building for all the writers that would just like to spend a month, a few hours a day, and knock out all the essential world building in a month's time. You can do it in less, you can do it in more. We give you a goal sheet to do it in a month that comes with that. But we're probably going to be updating and expanding that course and going into much more detail with it uh, in the coming months, which I'm pretty excited about. And then we have this other handy little thing. With world building comes research. You have to understand what your options are around things like politics and economics and different types of societies and uh, and all of that. And we have this handy little ebook reference book that we call our rapid research resource that is a compilation of all the essential all the essential resource that you're going to need for economic systems, political systems, culture, religion, and stuff like that. Wonderful. And if people are interested, where would they reach out to you for that? Or where would they sign up for that? Uh, Yeah, you can just head to our website, uh, www.craftbetterbooks.com. You can check out the check out the shop. Uh, You can take a look at uh, for our services, just click through our website. There's a consultations uh, section, story elements consultation section where you can find the world building consultations there. And um, it's all, all right there on the website. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. This is obviously a topic that a person could speak about for days and days and days on end. So we've just tried to squash it in into a quick half an hour, (laughs) which we've already gone over. But certainly for those of you who are interested in this, you know where this amazing resource is for you, as, as you said about going about this. Absolutely. Thank you, Bianca. And that's it for today's episode. If you have any questions about writing or publishing, please email me at theshitaboutwriting at gmail.com and I'll do my best to get them answered for you. I hope you'll join us for next week's show. In the meantime, keep at it. Remember, it just takes one yes. Here's the thing. Ever wonder why aspiring authors spend so much time trying to crack the code about how to get published? That's because no one who's in the daily grind like me has put all the pieces together in one place. It's Carly Waters here, and as your senior literary agent on the podcast with 15 years of experience in publishing, selling books, and teaching the business of publishing, I'm here to give you the clarity that will turn this hobby into a career. Inside my course, The Author's Publishing Playbook, we have monthly live Q&A sessions to cover your specific issues, but for the rest, there are over 40 video lessons that equal 10 hours of learning with professionally edited transcripts. The course will solve all your writerly problems, except write your book for you. That's on you. My course is a masterclass designed to teach writers how to prepare, pitch, publish, and promote their book in today's competitive publishing landscape. It's for career-driven writers, aspiring and published, who want to understand how to succeed in the business of books. There are over 20 worksheets, downloads, and plug-and-play templates for editing, querying, and marketing. You get lifetime access for the entire six-module course as soon as you purchase. As new content gets added, you have access to that as well. Don't forget, there's a mobile app on top of computer access you can learn on the go. Get started today to gain the career you've only dreamed about. And you guys get a discount. So at checkout, carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. That's carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. See you inside the course. 
Hi everyone, this is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there. Here's the thing. Ever wonder why aspiring authors spend so much time trying to crack the code about how to get published? That's because no one who's in the daily grind like me has put all the pieces together in one place. It's Carly Waters here, and as your senior literary agent on the podcast with 15 years of experience in publishing, selling books, and teaching the business of publishing, I'm here to give you the clarity that will turn this hobby into a career. Inside my course, The Author's Publishing Playbook, we have monthly live Q&A sessions to cover your specific issues, but for the rest, there are over 40 video lessons that equal 10 hours of learning with professionally edited transcripts. The course will solve all your writerly problems, except write your book for you. That's on you. My course is a masterclass designed to teach writers how to prepare, pitch, publish, and promote their book in today's competitive publishing landscape. It's for career-driven writers, aspiring and published, who want to understand how to succeed in the business of books. There are over 20 worksheets, downloads, and plug-and-play templates for editing, querying, and marketing. You get lifetime access for the entire six-module course as soon as you purchase. As new content gets added, you have access to that as well. Don't forget, there's a mobile app on top of computer access you can learn on the go. Get started today to gain the career you've only dreamed about. And you guys get a discount. So at checkout, carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. That's carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. See you inside the course. Hi, everyone. This is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there.